into your mirror. Father, it's not the word of a man, but we, we move by the anointing. And this anointing is what makes that word so powerful, makes it alive, <clears throat> makes it real to us, and compels us to obey your holy word. So we thank you, Lord, that your word is the key to holiness. It is the key to righteousness. It is the key to love. It's the key to everything that we are, are to demonstrate in this life. So, Lord, we honor you. We love you. And we thank you this day in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Praise God. So, uh, so uh, uh, Mr. Dillard, Brother Howard, and Becky are working on your omelets. I told, told Howard, I said, well, I told him to give, make the orders. We ain't going to give them that, but it's nice to mess it with you. Now everybody want to walk out. I told you she wasn't going to give us these omelets. Yes, we will. We will. We'll do our best. But today, I thought, you know, at the end of the year, I always think, what thought would God have me leave with you To that's a good finishing and a good beginning? Uh, there was a, a Roman tradition um, that when there was, uh, it was known that um, uh uh, beginnings and endings are simultaneous. You know, they're, they're, the Roman god Janus is the god f- of beginnings and endings, where January is taken from his name, and he's a two-faced god. There's one pointing backwards and one pointing forwards. Just because you're a heathen, that don't mean you can't think <laughs> with a godly brain sometimes. But I know many times people look at endings as just that an ending and never look at the beginning that is unfolding at the same time you got me so it, it like people say well when god closes one door he opens another you know those little sayings come from that that <clears throat> if you are are living a life that's going somewhere there's never a stop to that there's a be when there's an ending there's also a beginning of something and so I think when something ends, we need to look forward to the beginning. And uh, if you look back, look back in, in what you've learned, kind of gather what you learned from that experience and take the good over into the new, repent of the bad, and <laughs> say, God, I don't want to do that no more. You know, that's what true repentance is. It's a commitment to not make the same mistakes over and over again. It's it's not a hall pass to, to not be charged for your sin. You understand what I'm saying? True repentance, it does lead to holiness. When you look at, let, at your past faults and failures and you see where God has done great damage control in your life, got me? He's restored people. They don't have to live in the, the fear of you and the dread of you anymore. <laughs> they can live righteous before God and how do you think he takes all that away you know it's his mercy that that uh, does that for us and allows us to have good relationships again I can remember when I was a sinner there are people I never want to speak to again in life and I don't know people like that anymore there's nobody amen that can harm me that much or I want to harm that much that that you don't want to make peace with them and, and and be friends again and so God allows us all of that, the new, uh, the new direction he gives us and, and uh, from beginnings and endings, he's able to bring us in a new place and a new understanding and build upon what he's done. This, our life is a, a series of building blocks where we're building into the image of Christ and we're coming into a knowledge of God, coming into a knowledge of what's right and what's uh, righteous and, and how to live our lives before God. And so there's always something he's bringing us into, you know, just always something new. So I was thinking about how we end the year and, and how we want to begin the year. And, and it's good to reflect on, you know, God, have I done what, what you expected me to do this year? Have I been faithful in what you've given me? He's given us all everything that we need. We haven't lacked anything at all, at any time. Have we lacked anything? Amen. And, and even if we're not aware of it, it's true anyhow, because that's the word. See, if he's your shepherd, you don't lack any good thing. You don't lack anything. And so I think it's good to, to appreciate that. And if we think in that way, if we, if we think that we're never lacking anything, 
we'll have the confidence to go forward and do what God and live this life to the fullest and live it to the max and live a good life and live a peaceful life, a joyful life, to have a full life in Christ. So there's nothing lacking in anything that he's uh, doing in our lives. When we experience lack, it's because we, t- we uh, decide to do that. See, what you experience is a decision. Amen. All your experiences are decisions. Nothing just comes to you. If you're a person of faith, you believe that when things come to you, there's a purpose for it. Uh, and God is working it out to your good, even though it may be a, a bad experience for right now. There's some good in it if we'll allow God to have it and look for it. I think what happens is that we get stuck in our experiences because we never let God deal with them. You know, but you try to hide and run from the truth and reality of what you're facing in your life. And so if you do that, God doesn't, isn't uh, owning it for you so that he can work it out for you. And so it's good to give things over to God, whether good, bad, whatever. If there's a, a day for rejoicing in your life, Rejoice with God about it. If there's a day that's not pleasant, then give that over to God and ask him to fix it for you. Fix it immediately. You got me? Uh, Don't try to own the devil's property. You know, if if something comes into your life uh, that's not pleasant, that, you know, repent of it and give it over to God. But don't try to embrace it and own it and carry it with you and try to try to work it out outside of God's mercy in your life. Amen. Because it, then that that way God can make sure that you're on schedule for his blessing. He, he always wants to bless us like Pastor Shirley said and he always wants to do good for us and he can do that if we'll follow his simple instructions on how to to get those things done. So um, I thought I'd talk to, though, to you about faithfulness today. And uh, in First Thessalonians 5, I think it's 24, you need to understand that faithfulness is an attribute of God. It's, it comes from God's spirit. Uh-huh. It comes from God's spirit. So when, when we love, we are like God. When we give, we are like God. When we're faithful, we are like God. He's pleased when you imitate him. Amen. Uh, just like uh, parents, I'm sure, get that, that uh, inner feeling of satisfaction when they see their kids doing things that they do, you know, and, and following through on that mandate to do uh, what they've been told to do. But, but your, your offspring do imitate you. Uh, the good, the bad, and the indifferent <laughs> do imitate you uh, because that's what they're called to do. That's why God gave them to you and not to your neighbor. Amen. So they are to imitate you and be a reflection of you. And that's what we are to be to God. We have his spirit. We have his likeness. And if we, we are diligent, we have his word working in us. If you're diligent to absorb that word when it comes to you, uh, then you will be like God. Because you carry out the word of God. No matter what happens, and you'll have confidence in that word. You'll trust in that word. And you'll be able to do the word and expect the blessing that God uh, says comes to you through obedience. So in First Thessalonians 5.24, it says, Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Faithful people also do. You got me? There's a doing when people are, are looked to God as faithful. Faithful people do what they're expected to do, do what they say they're going to do, and do what they plan to do. They don't get distracted and discouraged and off track just because uh, they don't feel good today or they're not in a good mood today or whatever it is. Faithful people find a way to get done what, what they have, have uh, promised to do. Now, why do we make an effort to do those things? Now, I know sometimes that, you know, coming to church and, and all of that gets to be a habit and a routine, but the things that you do that are expected, even though they're a habit or routine, they are part of your faithfulness. So God accounts that to your account for good because you are being faithful in it. There are some people that never like to commit to anything because of their pride won't let them. See, there's something about being faithful that's humbling to the soul. What you're doing is you're giving yourself over to a spirit of commitment and so when you humble yourself and give yourself over to that spirit, God honors it, and God will help you, and then it adds to your account. 
faithfulness is also part of righteousness. Okay? Hypocrites say they're going to do something. They give lip service to everything. Uh, they say they're going to do something, never do it, and it doesn't bother them not to do it. Okay? See, that's hypocrisy. You want to be the type of person that if you give your word to do something and you fail to, to, to keep your word, you're apologetic about it. See, you, you feel that inner obligation to follow through. That's why people, faithful people, get such notice in the world. Because everybody's looking for an excuse not to follow through. Why? Because somehow faithful people look, um, they're looked down upon in, in many ways. You got me? Uh, and you, you can tell by sometimes people remarks people make to you. Uh, you got to be at that church all the time. You can't never take a day off. See, the devil, hey, let me tell you why they do it, because the devil hates it. Because God honors it. The devil likes for you to be a straggler, to be somebody who's always needing somebody to pump you up and, and pep you up and all that kind of stuff. He loves that kind of stuff because that's his playground. But see, if you get faithful, it's just like you, you see it uh, with, with uh, sometimes children who excel. Like you'll see uh, athletes maybe. Kids that get up at four in the morning and practice skating for three hours before they go to school at seven or seven thirty, the parents get looked at funny and be accused of abusing their children. So faithfulness by the world is frowned upon. Now, when you when they see the fruit of faithfulness, they see you standing up there with the medal around your neck and all, and the flowers in your head, and everybody wants to get on your bandwagon to parade. But they don't see the making of what it takes to make you that person. See, that's where the price is paid. And that's where the devil can, can discourage you in paying the price. See, he don't want you to pay the price for faithfulness because, number one, he doesn't want you to get the reward. Because if you get the reward, then you're sold out to God. So he wants to, to, for you to sell yourself out to him, let him borrow you again or whatever you want to do. He borrows you periodically. You know, you get up on a Saturday when you know you should be getting up to go to prayer and look at the clock and say, I need to turn over again or something like that. And uh, I can get ready in 20 minutes. Well, you ain't done nothing in 20 minutes. All them layers of makeup and all them glue on them lashes and hair over there on the floor. Come on now. Come on, girls. Now let's get honest here. You can't get an eight-year-old ready in 20 minutes. You know us high maintenance. We got so many things, things that leave patching up where we can face people. Come on now. So the humble person will get up early and get up out that bed and, and say goodbye to that. You know, it's nothing but self-pity when you want to linger in that bed. Oh, I could give me a couple more minutes. Uh, it turns into 40 real quick. But see, faithfulness is an attribute of God. It's something we have. We have the ability to do it within us, period. And we just need to tap into it. If you humble yourself and tap into that spirit of faithfulness, and, and it takes faith to be faithful. You can't be faithful just trying to do it in, in your own strength. The devil will get you every single time. But if you just confess to God, God, you know what I'm struggling getting up for. Please help me. You know what I'm saying? And, and let him take the wheel. He'll make sure you get where he wants you to be for the time he wants you to be there. So I look at faithfulness. I can remember when, the, when we started the ministry years ago, God would tell me, notice the people, how they end up the year and how they begin. And so I would look and I'd say, almost everybody made it to service. It, it was the last service of the year. That was when we were just having on Saturdays. And you count and see who made it into the service on Saturday, the last Saturday. And he said, watch how they begin the year. And so the first service on Saturday, you watch to see who. Now, some of you are, are faithful. You, you know God is, is there for you, and you, you're sold out a long time ago. But, see, there are people who still struggle. 
even after many, many years, they still struggle. And see, this is where your attitude of humility comes in. Can I humble myself and get up and do this anyway? Because people, amen, people are accustomed to doing things only if they can see benefit from it immediately. See, we want the instant, we want the immediate, we want the, but God is not looking for us. We have an ability to exceed that short-term uh, joy and that short-term uh, love for God. That short, He wants us in, invested in him for the long haul. We're talking about eternity. You want to spend eternity with God. So you've got to get used to getting used to him now. And so he wants to flip that around for everybody. Number one, it'll bless your life. And number two, you need to be faithful because your father is faithful. See, if we don't understand it on our end, we'll never understand it on God's end. You'll see the reward of faithfulness in your life and the fruit of faithfulness in your life. And that will cause you to understand God better. Many people are in a quandary about whether or not they can trust God simply because they don't put forth effort to do what he wants them to do. And then they be that reflection of God in in their lives. And so when you get ready to, if God wants to do something in your life, you should have no problem believing that he'll do this for you. If you walk in the fruit of his spirit on a continual basis, you'll expect it. You know, within your heart, you'll say, you know what? I have been doing what God told me to do, and I can expect him. So then faithfulness relates to righteousness. See, if, you're, if you understand personal, your personal commitment to walk in righteousness before God, then you'll be able to understand and expect God to do the righteous thing on your behalf. You won't be wondering and worrying what, what he's going to do. You'll be able to invest uh, in what he is saying. And I was talking, when Pastor Shirley was preaching, she was talking about you, if you quit, you won't get something. Well, quitting is really simply unbelief to the max. See, you quit believing God is what you quit. Amen? And so, but you know, God is so faithful, he'll start prompting you to believe him again. He said, keep going because we can do this. You can do this. Amen. And so it's not about God understanding you. It's about you understanding him and doing what he wants you to do at all times. At all times. Second Corinthians 1.18, I wrote that one down. But as God is true, or, uh, well, whatever. Second Corinthians uh maybe first corinthians it's a scripture that says that but god is faithful and it won't he won't allow you to be tempted or tried or tested uh beyond what you're able maybe it's not a corinthian after all it's the second corinthians i know it is i wrote them down in a hurry a hurry <laughs> I see a lot of butts in here, but I don't see the butt that I want. Is it 118 or 518? I will find it at some point. But but the scripture tells us God is faithful, and, and he won't allow us to go beyond our limit as far as what we go, which it is. Like I said, girl, where's, where's my zero after my 10, 13? Oh, I was way off. Like I said, well, I should have put my glasses on. First Corinthians 10, 13. Thank you. One Corinthians 10. How you girls doing up there? <laughs> Good. Jasmine, come here and read this for me. I always wanted to do this. This is the way they. This is the way Bishop Jakes does. First Corinthians ten, thirteen. There hath no temptations taken you, but such is as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it say that again oh no it's okay, it's okay. thank you amen 
So this is trusting God in tough times. Mm -hmm. When it's tough, it ain't too tough. Amen. The Bible also says he knows how to deliver the righteous out of trouble. In other words, this is his business, not yours. Huh? Your deliverance is his business, not yours. In other words, he knows what he's doing. He knows how he knows when it's too tough for you. When it really is too tough for you, he'll get you out of it. But it ain't too tough for you. Amen. It just ain't in your tender zone like you want it to be all the time. See, we would live on easy street if God would let us. Huh? When we were talking, uh, I think it was Pastor Shirley was for y'all. See, I steal a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know, this is a preacher thing we do. But uh, uh, we were, she was talking about uh, Israel and how they, you know, when God was feeding them manna. And, you know, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I gave them, he said, I fed them to give them a rest for having been under slavery for so long. Do you understand me? See, you can give, give people a remedy like they were crying out to God and God's heart was broken for his people. He sent a deliverer. And part of the deliverance package was to give them an easy life for a season before they start seeing war and, and more stuff to do, make it hard on them. And they didn't like the easy way. See, some people, you can't please them. So God said, okay, y'all get on up and go then. If you don't want me doing this, you know, <laughs> I do it this way. You hate it. I do it that way. You hate it more. So he said, just get up and start doing what I tell you to do now. So he gave them the law, gave them something to think about. But God is able. He is faithful. He's faithful to whatever your your fear is in your trial. You're fearing that God won't keep his word to you. That's what it is. You, you're not scared of the bills and you're not scared of, if you were scared of bills, you stay at home and quit shopping. But see, <laughs> y'all real brave when it comes to going out spending that money and they get all scared. And hey, credit is coming. Yeah, because you told them you're going to pay them. I'd come too. You'd come too if you was ever a creditor. Come on now. He's faithful. He won't allow us to be pressed beyond our limit. And what he does in the trial is he lets you see that you're a lot stronger than you think you are in him. See, he's, you know, he lets you know, you know what, this may be tough for you, but it's not so tough for you that you can't endure it and allow me to deliver you when it's time. Why do we have to go through trials? We have to go through trials to get discipline in our lives. Huh? I know it's a dirty word for a lot of people, but, you know, it pays off. Uh, if you discipline yourselves to the right things. Huh? Yeah, because you can discipline yourselves to the wrong things, too. But we're talking about God's discipline to bring you into a greater image of Christ. You're being conformed to Christ's image. You're not just here to get things from God or to live and have a, a nice life and have a house and have a family and have all those wonderful things. But you are being conformed to the image of Christ, which is promised to everybody. All those other things are not promised to everybody. You know, you got to get them in your heart and get them in your spirit that they are, you know, that's a normal life for most people. But some people are not called to that. You just got to understand that about God. If he calls you to a different type of life or he calls you to a life with some modifications of your dream and your expectation of what it's supposed to be, it's because you're being conformed to the image of Christ. Huh? So this is something that's first and foremost in God. And if you, if you put off the discipline, it's going to come anyway. We try to circumvent the discipline, but it's going to come anyway. Because he's not going to take you out of this world half-baked. You know, you're going to be fully in the cut when God gets, you understand what I'm saying? And he's faithful about that. If he says you're, you're to conform to Christ's image, he must be faithful in the conforming process for you. And this is something that's God's design. You can't, you can't design your own cross. You know, you're, you can't design your own trial because most of us, if we could, could design our own trial, you know, it'd be a cushy couch and a smart TV, a, you know, 70-inch smart TV and, you know, pina coladas, non-alcoholic all day long. You know how we do. 
So you don't design your, the object of your crucifixion. Your trial is there to help you to stay disciplined to God until he puts the image of Christ together in you the way it's supposed to be. That's the most important. Listen, I've come to understand that. All these things that we spend so much time praying for, <laughs> they're going to come with a trial. So we can, that's built in. You're going to conform to his image, period. It's not an option. So you can't take a trial later because you want to do this with your life now. You'll find yourself doing nothing with your life at all if you don't submit to what God has for you. So that's why most of the, the promises contain some waiting. They contain some struggle with finances. They may even contain some struggles with health that you'll get over. You know, if you just stay with God, it'll come to you and you'll get beyond it. I don't know anybody who work, walks perfectly uh, before God in that realm that they don't have some challenge sometimes. You'll have a headache, you'll have a common cold, you'll have something. And so we, we all know that, that God will allow us to come through these things but conform to his image in the process. 1 Corinthians 4, I hope this one's right, 1 Corinthians 4, 2. It says, moreover, it's required 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 see people tend to think somehow you know we think when we're christians uh everything we do for god we need a pat on the back for it uh and it's an option if we do it or not and and we're doing so much extraordinary stuff because look what i'm doing for god and it's so special and all this but there is a parable that Jesus gave, and it says uh, when the, when the uh, steward comes in from, from working in the, in the field, should the master get up and serve him? And he said, no, absolutely not. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. Hello. So there's an obligation when you have God's. Listen, God has put treasure inside of us. He's forgiven us of our sins. There's some people that we scare we're going to run into. We never run into them people no more. Wonder what happened there. And, and so the, he has given us so much, and yet the little that we do, we want to get a reward for it for two years. You know, we want it to be talked about so gloriously and all this kind of stuff. So there is a tendency to exaggerate our importance in God's kingdom exaggerate and this is this will happen to you if you sit up and measure yourself against somebody else uh, you'll always find somebody you're doing more than them in your eyes you don't know what they're doing you don't know how people might struggle sometimes just to get up and get dressed and get out of the house so you know it's an effort for everybody everybody has to put forth an effort to be faithful sometimes you'll find yourself juggling several things at one time you got to be faithful I can remember Morris Cirillo, his wife was, Mama Teresa was, was sick one time and was in the hospital and, and uh, he was in South America somewhere preaching. And uh, he, said, he said, everybody in my family was angry with me. He said, but I faithfully went to God every time I got a phone call about her and I said, God, should I turn around and go back home? And they say, my wife won't make it. And God told him, he said, be faithful in what I've called you to do. And so he stayed on the field. His wife recovered. And he said, to be honest with you, she's in better health now. And that's been almost 15 or 20 years ago. And you know that woman's still healthy and still living. And see, sometimes, amen, sometimes as ministers and as believers, when you know you have a confidence and a strength in God, you can help other people. You can keep them crippled and dependent upon you where they need to just tough it out and see God. So when Morris got out of the way, Teresa was able to see God for herself and pull in there and get her healing, see. And they restored her. The doctors did as much as they can do. And then God did the rest. But he continued to restore her to where she's healthy. She's able to keep up with him and everything now. Amen. And so when, when I heard that testimony, something inside of me just clicked. And I knew I would have to face something like that myself. You understand what I'm saying? And so when my husband uh, had 
surgery for cancer. He had surgery one day, and we had a healing school schedule. And see, I had asked God. We already had flyers go out, everything. And I had asked God what to do, and, and the Lord had me look at them flyers, and I knew where he was expecting me to be. And I'm not saying I'm on more Cirillo's level. You know what I'm saying? But there are times when faithfulness is faithfulness. I don't care who you are, how big your name is, how small your name is. Faithfulness is faithfulness. If God calls me to be faithful and do these meetings, I have to be faithful and do these meetings. You understand what I'm saying? Now I would ask, well, can, can, can Shirley do that? Her name ain't on there. You understand what I'm saying? Now we can pass things off to people and say it's okay, but if God doesn't sanction it, he doesn't sanction it. And see, you don't know what what he's building in you that can't be built at another time. It's like, say for instance, you took your car in to be fixed, and they got all it, they got everything broken down, all the parts laying out there. There's not a part there that you can put that back together and it, and it run the same. And it's the same thing with what God calls us to do. If you're going through a test or a trial, you can't pass that up now and think you're going to be whole and sound for the rest of the time God's going to use you here on earth. Then you'd be God. You know, he can just resign from his God job and let you be God if that's true. You don't design your own deliverance. You don't design your own test. You don't design any of this. It's preordained for us by God, and we have to be found faithful. So he said it is required in stewards that they be found faithful. Amen? That they be found. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. Let me turn to Luke 6, and I'll show you why it's required. Oh, Luke 16. Let me get my scripture. Yeah, it probably didn't do me good to write all this stuff down. 16. Yeah. The parable of the unrighteous steward. Well, that we know about that guy. He was smart enough to get out of trouble. Amen. So then we can drop down. Verse 10. He that is faithful and that which is least is faithful also in much, but that he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So what God wants to do is bring us to the place where he can trust us with much. That's his plan for everybody. It's not his plan to leave you with little, but that little must be accounted as important see we have a tendency that when things are small or when we're small or our money is small or paycheck is small whatever is small we use that as an excuse not to do what god wants us to do with what we have it's in and if you have a lack mentality whatever you have is never going to be enough anyway so God doesn't want you to look at what you think you can do with it. He wants you to give it to him, and then he will tell you how to distribute it. He will tell you what to do with it. He will tell you uh, how to get things paid. He will tell you how to uh, make things happen in your life. But stewardship has a lot more to do with your your abilities and your talents. And your your things of God that put in your life that that you know have no material value at all. He's talking about the unjust uh, servant where this man was about to be fired, but he was a steward over another man's accounts. And what he did when he found got wind of the fact that he was going to be fired, what did he do? He started setting himself up to survive. See. And that's what God does with us, with our gifts, our talents, our abilities. He's setting you up to survive and not just survive, but prosper. So your stewardship over what he gives you is extremely important that you stay on track with God so that you will be able to survive. And so when the people came in that owed his boss money, he said, how much you owe? And then the guy said, a hundred. And he said, write down 50. 
So he's cutting the creditors some slack, and he says, let me do this because when I'm thrown out, these people remember I cut them some slack. And and that's what God does with us. If we're faithful and we're wise in what he gives us, he cuts us slack in the future. You won't have trouble in the future. You see what I'm saying? He will remember uh, so-and-so did this. She, she gave in the offering when she didn't have a lot, you know, and all that kind of stuff and was able to, and he's able then to give to you. Or she paid bills instead of getting, you know, doing her old thing with robbing Peter to pay Paul. So then he's able to bless you. And so he says here, he, he is faithful in the least will be faithful in much. If you're unjust in the least, you're unjust in much. This is why people don't get promotions. This is why. This is your promotion qualification right here. If, therefore, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit unto you to uh, to your trust the true riches? So what you do with your money isn't even the issue. It's your heart. Faithfulness really is a matter of the heart. What is your conscience? How does your conscience deal with you when you don't pay your bills? You know, you can't just be mad at, at the creditors all the time because they keep sending them things to you. You've got to get down with this and, and get it resolved. This is a debt. And God doesn't want his children owing anybody anything but to love them. That means bills paid, everything on time, uh, who is that? The kids had not seen their report card in years because they didn't pay the fees. Something like that. Some nonsense. I don't know. I might. I'm sorry if it's somebody here. I'm real sorry. I thought I was in Detroit, but you know it goes there too. But you know what I'm saying. You got to do those things. You can't just slide by and say I can't afford it. Your daddy can afford it. You just ain't doing what you, he told you to do with it. And see, that's why we don't have money for things because we don't put it where it's supposed to be. That's stewardship, too. That's stewardship, too. You've got to look at your your pay as affording you much more than just the things that you need, eat, drink, and wear. You've got to look at it as preparing a future for yourself. So he says, if you're unjust in the least, you're unjust in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon. So money, we think of money as the ultimate as far as our needs are concerned. And Jesus says, that's real low on my scale. He said, I'm not looking at your money. He said, I'm looking at your heart and whether you're going to do what I tell you to do with it. And if you don't do what I tell you to do with it, I consider you not to be faithful and I'm not going to give you a whole lot more. I see that went over big. Well, repent. Tell them you ain't going to do this no more. I don't care if you've been doing it for 50 years. You ain't doing it no more. Uh He said, and if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, that would take a whole day to preach on that. Huh? I see preachers all the time, so-called preachers on Facebook, trying to get their own ministry. And I said, well, what have you done for, for your own church where they taught you and helped you and fed you when you was hungry, paid your bills, took love offerings for you? And Come on now. You know, that's, that's not, God doesn't owe you that stuff. Huh? Did you know that? He, you don't, nobody has to take an offering for you when somebody passes away. That's a love thing. That's because we love you and we pray and ask God how we show love to you. It's not owed to you. Nothing's owed to you. You know, if you get, get to the place where you can't pay your bills, I find a way in God to pay mine. I don't come and ask nobody to do nothing for me. That would be the least thing I would want to do would be to burden the saints with my lack of responsibility. Huh? You don't do that to people, and you don't expect that from people either. That's what heathens do. Quit feeling sorry for yourself and start praying and asking God, repent and ask God, you know, where did I mess up? Because I don't want to get here no more. And show me the way out, and I'll do what you tell me to do this time. And do what you're supposed to do. So if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. That's the, the debtor's mentality. It's just, oh, I'm just sick of living hand to mouth. Well, quit doing it then. That's not what God called you to do. Huh? 
Start being faithful. You won't be living hand to mouth. Huh? You don't live out of that anyway. You're supposed to live out of the joy of the Lord. Live. So he says, no servant can serve two masters. That's the problem. We get the impulse to spin. So you're you're serving mammon when you do that. So you're gonna hate one and love the other. So you're gonna start. You either gonna start loving God and being a good steward, or you're gonna start loving mammon and stay in debt and stay disgruntled and stay mean and stay angry all the time. The choice is yours. Amen. The reward of faithfulness, number one, is joy. When the, in the parable of the talents, the Bible, the Lord says, you've been faithful over a little. I'll give you rulership over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Enter into his joy. Whatever you have responsibility with, if there's not joy there, there's something missing. There's something that needs to be done and needs to be corrected. If you got a responsible job and you're scared all the time and you're nervous all the time and you got stress and all the stuff they claim you, you know, that's supposed to come with it, there's something missing. See? Something missing. You either don't know you've been faithful and that's yours permanently, which is which is what many people do. They work so hard getting their promotions, they don't work as hard in the word to get reassured that when they're there, they're there permanently. They're always worried about who else is coming, who else trying to move them out, who else is getting promoted. And, well, I, my job ain't that secure because they got all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, once you get understanding God puts you there and, and it's a done deal and it's settled, then you can enjoy where you're at. Huh? You know, my, my late husband, when he he got promotions and he would say, you know, all the young people they're hiring now, they've got degrees and stuff like that, and I don't have one. I said, you don't need one. I said, if you need one, God will give you one of them slipshod degrees that they got. Them, them people ain't smart as a snail, a lot of them. You know, because I got degrees and I know what it takes to get them. Not a whole lot sometimes just a thought for some of y'all who tearing your hair out just to get an education uh put your hair back in your head and start taking all this stuff in stride you know you can't that's not your life you, you know that is, your life is not hinging on a certain piece of paper paper is paper you know what i'm saying but I know my husband was settled once he was settled on the fact God put him there and he couldn't be moved. He didn't worry about it anymore. Now, he wouldn't come to church all the time and in the word and all deep and stuff like we is. You know what I'm saying? So if you're faithful in little, you'll be, you'll be uh, faithful in much. So keep minding your little. Keep being a good steward over your little. Don't get fatigued and tired and want to be promoted real fast. So your reward is joy. The other one is peace. You can sleep at night because you know you know you don't owe God anything. You know, I've been faithful here. I've done what he's told me to do. You have a clean conscience. You have a clean conscience or a good conscience toward God. You know what he told you to do and you know you did it. Fruit of righteousness Is the blessing of God and the peace of God. So there's fruit of righteousness that increases in your life. So you get more confidence in God. This is how your faith grows, by being faithful with it. Just keep your faith in God and be faithful with it. No hypocrisy. That means you're not thinking one way and believing another and talking another. People can put their confidence in you. Mm-hmm. Seriously. You know, you ever wonder why when when you have a church, certain people have keys to the building? Not so they can sleep at home and be laying up there and don't let nobody. You, you, do you understand what I'm saying? See, we've got to understand these things because you don't just do these things 
without the prompting of God. And what God is saying, that person is faithful and that person will do what we tell them to do and that person will be. And you know, there's some people that don't want you to give them keys to nothing because they don't want to be responsible and say, you understand me? So let us get a clear head about these things and quit thinking in a carnal fashion about everything. You know, keys mean something. They mean responsibility. They mean access. They mean you've been faithful. They mean people can count on you. You understand what I'm saying? And so don't play those things cheap and thank God you don't have to be the first one here all the time. That ain't right. You understand what I'm saying? We think too carnal about everything. We really do. We think way too carnal about everything. I'm glad it ain't me, and I'm glad you you shouldn't be glad. You should want to be in that person's position. You should want to be considered faithful. Amen? Because there are a lot of things that we could do with our time, but we we choose to to spend them with God. You know, this this is not, not something to pat yourself on the back, but it's expected of you. You know, when God has a meeting, he expects you to be there. He expects you to be on time. Everybody be there on time. You understand what I'm saying? Praise God. Alicia, what what are you supposed to be doing on Saturdays? Don't you have class? You can be at a beauty school? Come on up here a minute, honey. Let me let, me let you talk to people so you can. Because how long you been coming here? Not that I don't know, but, but I don't know. How long have you been coming here? Excuse me. Oh, you well, we have um, we have school two Saturdays out of the month, so I do two Saturdays out of the month, and then I come to church on my two Saturdays. So um, there are some times when I miss school and I'll be here because that's just um, something that comes with being a watchman. So, um, but I definitely make my Saturdays, and that's pretty much okay. Thank you. I appreciate it because I, I know how, let's see, see, she has school and they have to put in hours and this, the more hours you spend here, you got to make those up, don't you? Because you don't go and take that exam until you put in all those clock hours in at school. I remember erasing some and putting them all down. And I was a sinner. I added digits to mine, but you know what I'm saying. But uh, you had to make them hours. They had to show up on the timesheets and all that kind of stuff before they would even qualify you to send in your application to take your exam. And then, too, if you miss things, your your situation for, uh, say, if they miss certain concepts and teaching, she's got to make up for that because she's not there when the instructor is over them showing them things. And so these things are sacrifices in a way. But if you do them by faith, you have confidence that God makes up the difference for you. Amen. And he won't shortchange you. Amen. So I'm looking for the day when all of the students that we have in the ministry will have enough confidence in God to say, I'm going to church. You understand what I'm saying? Because this business of cutting church because you got to study for something. Now, if God gave you the opportunity to go to school he didn't give it to you knowing that you couldn't do it and stay faithful to church attendance too so this stuff is baloney this is drama you know that people you know you're indulging in drama you know and and it's not necessary we all know you go to school huh we all been most of us you know what i'm saying so it ain't a big deal huh I wouldn't recommend going like I went because I tried not to be there. Not to, my goal was to not show up and still pass. I don't know what your goal is, but that was mine. You know, everybody got their own little personal thing that they do. But because uh, it was boring to me. It's not a challenge to you when it's easy. So, you know, it just is that way. But but still, you know, you're capable and you're competent. I never killed nobody. I know knew them, you know. I not to mix them wrong pills and stuff. I, I got the right stuff. You know what I'm saying? I did better than most. Uh, I remember having to challenge a nursing supervisor because she said a patient should have gotten insulin, and I knew they didn't. But see, everybody is looking at doctor's orders, that's all, and they don't think. 
you know you go in there to give them another shot and they already in a coma i'm coming come on now y'all stop this so i just told them and i wasn't giving no more and they oh we gotta have to do something about her you know all these people just ganging up on you for you know and it's you just using your head and i said did y'all go to nursing school or where did y'all go jeez anyhow but you know what i'm saying it's it's boring (laughs) don't don't mess with me on that but anyway so so there we've decided we'd exhort you a little bit on faithfulness today amen not try to keep you too long everybody's sitting up there smelling their omelets already how we doing poppy becky hello okay she says thumbs up so praise god so we're going to bless our bread and our water and and uh, just believe God, you know, for some things. Be faithful. I'm a, amen. When you sit down at the dinner table, faithfully pray over your food. Faithfully bless your food. Uh, faithfully ask God to. So many things are done at the communion table with a family. Amen. Insist upon everybody showing up at the table. Don't put up with them slackers. That, I'm just going to have mine in front of the TV. You do everything in front of the TV. You know what I'm saying? Get a television a break. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's a, it can be what you want it to be. It can be a time with the Lord. It can be a holy and a sacred time. I can remember I was worried about God saving my husband. He said, just pray over your food with him. Start by blessing your food. He said, you can have prayer with him and start by blessing your food. Well, he wanted to eat. <laughs> we didn't we didn't eat until we prayed you know what I'm saying? you start people where you start them but he got accustomed to coming before god in the presence of god pray about uh, uh taking sickness from you when you pray over your food amen not that your food is poison but look at all the people that they went to that restaurant and got it they should have been at home cooking but that's a whole nother story i can't go into huh it's a thought Huh? What you ask God to bless and sanctify in your home will be blessed and sanctified in your home. Sometimes we need to ask God to help us not to overeat. And I found that that helps when, when you share food with people, there's less overeating. Because uh-huh. you sit up there and look and say, mm, two helpers. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you kind of judge one another, but it helps you to stay. You know, you get the idea is for sharing. It's not just for getting you, it's not just a taste thing and getting you what you want, but it's to be shared. It's a communion and a fellowship table where you can, can have time with people. It'll shock you the number of people don't come back here because they don't want to sit down and eat with everybody. You understand what I'm saying? It, it is sad because it makes them so uncomfortable uh, they can't tough it out for a little while. And so we all have to learn how what what these things are for and do it as unto the Lord. And so that's a good way to start your year off. There's things that, you know, you you need to get worked out. Start with the small things. You know, if you you have trouble and strife between family members, you know, get them to sit down and have dinner all together. And then it'll break that thing off of them. Amen. Don't let them go missing. If it's dinner time, some of y'all with grown kids, call them up. Where you at and who you eating with? We having dinner over here. That'll shock them. Huh? Because people get away from you if, you're not, if they're not expected. You know, even when they're out of town. You know, you can call up to Siobhan at dinner time and say, let's pray together. Bless our, what you doing? I wish you was here. Get back here as soon as possible. You understand what I'm saying? So that they, they understand the fellowship that's, that's uh, missing when they're not there. So I'm going to stop. Father, we thank you to bless our bread and our water. Take sickness from the midst of us. I thank you, Lord, for we're going to have a little fellowship one with another.